Hello everybody again. Welcome back to Dr. Movie. I'm your host Rick and I'm driving in my car and talking about movies because that's what this show is all about. I'm in the middle of traffic right now in downtown Murray, Kentucky, heading back home. And I wanted to take the time to talk about pretty much my favorite movie of all time, Phantom of the Paradise. This movie is so overlooked and nobody gives it the attention that it should. This movie... I'm going to say it. This movie is brilliant. Uh, it's early Brian De Palma. And I guess the problem with it... I, I've noticed that I have a, a, a thing that I like. It's a trend, I guess, of, of mine. I like bands that don't really fit in a certain category. I like movies that don't fit in a certain category. I like them when they have little elements of everything. And that's exactly what this movie is. This movie can make one or two wrong turns and I would absolutely hate it because is it a musical? Well, some would think it's a musical. I don't think it is because I hate musicals. I really can't stand when people just bust out in a song in the middle of a conversation for no reason. That being said, there is a ton of music in this movie, but they're on stage when they're singing it. Or it's a montage of some kind. It's never just, how's your mom today? Well, it's nothing like that. So uh, for that, I love it because it's, it's incorporating music into the story. It's a combined story of Phantom of the Opera and Faust. And you got some Dorian Gray in there as well. And you've got all these elements tied in together that just really can be, I guess, confusing for some people because it's a little bit sci-fi, it's a little bit comedy, it's a little bit horror, it's a little bit musical. Uh, it's it's a little everything. And I, I, again, I think it's why I love it. Music-wise, I'm the same way. I like all the bands that nobody can pigeonhole into a category. And most of them are never successful, but very well should be. Same as this movie. This movie should be a bona fide classic. It's so ahead of its time. And that's what people don't understand about this. You really have to watch it to get it. But uh, it, it's really about the story of Swan, who is a music producer, the biggest on the planet. He's been around for 30, 40 years. He's got a label called Death Records. And a little bit about that. Originally, it was going to be called Swan Song because his name is Swan. Well, they even shot all this movie and had the Swan Song logo everywhere. Well, guess what? Led Zeppelin started a record company called Swan Song, and they sued Brian De Palma, and he had to go back through the entire movie and take out the logo of Swan Song. So if you're watching this movie sometime and you see these little black labels pop up and they seem like they're just kind of floating on the screen. They had to go back and cover all this stuff up after it was already all shot. And that was the only way to do it back then. So there's there's several lawsuits tied into this movie. <laughs> I'll get to the other one in a minute. Um, but Swan is trying to open a new musical extravaganza called The Paradise. And he's looking for the right music to do it with. And He's at this club that's his recent club. It's not the Paradise. It's another one. And he's got this group called the Juicy Fruits playing. Now, they are a throwback doo-wop type band. If you don't know who Sha Na Na is, 
these guys are definitely a Shanana knockoff band. Um, <laughs> if you don't know who Shanana is, look them up, right? Because they were they were big. I wouldn't say big. They were very popular uh, late '60s into the '70s. Even had their own TV show, the variety show, there for a while. So yeah, they were they were something, and that's exactly what we're aiming at right here. Uh, a group that's kind of a knockoff version of successful acts in the past, right? It's kind of what this whole thing is all about. I think De Palma said he got the inspiration for making this movie while riding in the elevator and was hearing the Muzak playing, which was bad instrumental versions of Beatles songs. And he was like, wow, what a incredible way to butcher masterpieces. Same thing here. This is what this story is about. So he's looking for the new sound, and when the Juicy Fruits take a break, Winslow Leach comes out and sings a song. It's very heartfelt, but nobody's paying him any attention because he really can't sing very well. But he's a he's an artist, right? And you can hear the emotion in the song. When he's done, Swan is like, that's it. That's the music. They're like, you want that crazy-looking guy to open the parasite? Not him. I just want the music. So he sends one of his henchmen up to, to get the music away from him and give it to Swan. Say, hey, Swan's interested in your music. Would you let us have some of the music? And, of course, he's got stars in his eyes. So he gives the music to him and then never hears anything from him for a long time. By the way, some things I skipped here. You got Paul Williams playing Swan. Paul Williams is a is a legend, right? I grew up with Paul Williams being in pretty much every cool movie of the time. Not only that, he's one of the most prolific songwriters of the 70s. I mean, Barbra Streisand, The Carpenters, all these people did songs that he wrote. He's, he's written some of the biggest songs of that era. Um, so not only does he play Swan in this movie, which he's known for his acting too, especially Little Enos in Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> but uh, he also wrote and sang all the music. Well, he didn't sing it all, but he wrote all the songs for the movie as well. And he's playing this character that's taking this music from Winslow, and Winslow decides it's been a month, I haven't heard anything, and he goes up to Swan Records studio and tries to get in, and nobody will see him. And they kick him out. And he comes back one day, and they're having auditions for a female backup singers. And he hears these girls all singing, and they're all singing the song that he was singing earlier in that performance. So they're singing his music. And he hears this one voice, and the girl's name is Phoenix, played by Jessica Harper. Again, legendary, right? I mean, she's in Suspiria. Uh... What else? Bunch of stuff. Pennies from Heaven, I believe. A lot of good stuff. And uh, he gets with her and he's like, wow, if, if you sung my songs, these would be great. It'd be huge. So they, they strike up this friendship. And then when they're taking Phoenix in to audition, they're not really auditioning them. They're seeing if they will strip down naked and do the business. So she runs out screaming. And they chase Winslow out as well. And Winslow sneaks back in to get the Swan to ask him, why, why have you taken my music? Why are you not having me involved? 
I'm not going to give you a lot of details here because, again, I want you to see the movie, but he ends up getting Winslow kicked out and arrested and thrown in prison so he can have his music and have him out of the way. And while he's in prison, they pull all of his teeth because it's a source of infection, and they put these metal teeth in his mouth just like silver caps more than anything else. One day he's listening to the radio while he's working in the prison, putting tiddlywings together for some reason, and it's the Juicy Fruit singing his song, and he snaps, and he breaks out of prison. He goes to Death Records printing lab where they're printing up all the records, and he goes in and he's wanting to blow up the press so they can't make any more of the records of the Juicy Fruit singing his songs. And a cop comes in and shoots him, and when he, when he shoots him, he slips. And when he slips, his, fed, his head falls into the record press, and it presses the record onto his face. So it's a big die, right? And it's heated up, and it presses. That's how they make the, the, the records, you know? So think about that just for a minute, right? This guy's going in to stop this record from being made, and now it is permanently part of him. It is burnt into his face. This thing that he hates more than anything on this planet is now always a part of his face. Needless to say, he runs out, he's shot, his face is smoking because it's still burning, and he falls off in the lake, and the newspapers show that he's missing and they think he's dead, all that kind of stuff. Well, it comes time to practice to open up. I think we're a couple of days away from the, the Paradise opening, and they've decided that they're going to go ahead and practice. They get the Juicy Fruits in there performing and you get Winslow coming in and he finds an outfit. And again, this is the figure that you see in all the pictures of the movie. It's a silver bird-like helmet and a black suit with a cape. And he comes in and he's starting to disrupt things. And the Juicy Fruits are performing on stage. And they got a, a car that's going to roll out on the stage. And Winslow, or the Phantom, puts a bomb in it. And it goes across there and blows up the Juicy Fruits. Pretty much kills them. Supposedly. At this point, Swan has video cameras everywhere, right? So this is, again, 74. You didn't have security cameras like this anywhere. And he's capturing everything. And he sees this figure in the background when it blows up. And he figures it out. And Winslow confronts him. And he rips off Winslow's mask. And says, Winslow, I've been looking all over for you. And you know he hasn't been, right? He's playing it really cool with him. And, hey, this time we need to do it the right way. I, I want your music and I want you here and I want you to write it and... and just be a part of it, right? And trust me, which obviously he can't trust him. So they end up working up a deal. So he falls for it again, signs a contract in blood, which is hilarious. If you get to see the scene of the movie, everything that's in that, <laughs> in that contract is amazing. And he pokes Winslow's finger and makes him sign in blood. And Swan, being the cool guy he is, he pokes his finger, and he's got <laughs> he's got a stamp that he rubs his blood over and stamps his name on there. <laughs> so all these cool little features. Now, 
Winslow can't talk. I guess, I don't know if the press hurt him or when he got shot, but he no longer has a voice. So, Swan has this box built to go on his chest that when he talks, it comes through that box. Now, that you're going to say, wow, that sounds kind of familiar. You know, kind of like Darth Vader, right? Matter of fact, George Lucas said he kind of took the idea from the box on, on Vader's chest and the voice and everything from Phantom of the Paradise. So there you go. Now, there's so many clever things in this movie. So he's got Winslow locked in this room with this huge keyboard synthesizer and wants him to just write and write and write all the songs and he's going to get uh, uh, Phoenix to sing the songs exactly like Winslow wanted. Even though he's lying to him, he's not going to use Phoenix. She's going to be a background singer. So he's got him tricked to thinking he's going to write all these songs for her, but he's just slaving away writing these songs and they're not going to be used for Phoenix. And when he's writing these songs, again, he don't have a voice. So they've hooked up this box and it runs into the console and Swan is controlling the music. Now this is, again, this is brilliant. Most people don't recognize this. But he starts, the, the voice is very distorted and very robotic sounding at first. And he starts clicking the buttons and changing it. And when he gets done and he gets the voice that he likes, Swan goes, perfect. And the voice is Swan's voice. So he's recording the demos and it sounded like Swan's voice so Swan can claim that he wrote the songs. I mean, again, all this stuff, we're really diving into the dirtiness, the underbelly of the record company and the corporations and how all this stuff really works because this stuff happens all the time. And for the movie to be this brave and bring out this subject in a movie that, you know, should be more of a fantasy type flick, it's really digging deep into this stuff. And uh, at this point, you know, Winslow's writing the songs. We're recording them. It's got, it's got Swan's voice on it. And now he has found his new singer that's going to open the paradise. And his name is Beef. It's Garrett Graham, of all people. Uh, Beef is my favorite character in this whole movie. It's, he's amazing. Because on stage, he's got this huge rock and roll voice. But when he talks, he talks real sweet. Like, I'm going to Cincinnati to see my mother. Uh, he just absolutely kills it in this movie. Uh, and Winslow finds out that his music, when he, he, they keep giving him drugs to keep him pumped up and whatever. And one night he wakes up and notices that his music is all gone. All the stuff he wrote, Swan came in and stole it. And they cinder blocked him in. They blocked him in concrete walls so he can't get out and out of his rage again remember Winslow can really snap he snaps and he busts through the wall and when he screams Beef hears it and he comes up with the great line what was that <laughs> and there's a whole scene around that that's just great um, but Beef doesn't want to go on with the show now he's a little worried and they convince him, hey, just go take you a shower, get ready to go, everything will be fine. And while he's in the shower, he's in there rehearsing with the song, singing in the shower, and uh, with no music. That's what I'm saying. It's not a musical. He's just singing and lathering up. The Phantom comes in there and stops him and says, no one is allowed to sing my songs. Not you, not anybody. 
Only Phoenix can sing my songs. Anyone else who tries dies. And then he leaves him. And from that point on, Beef is ready to get out of there. He is loading up his car. He's going back to Cincinnati to see his mother. And they stop him and say, no, man, you got a show to do. You can't. We got a full crowd here. It's opening night. Everything is going on. It's the big show. So they convince him to, to do the show. And the opening is uh, these guys that come out and they do a song. And while they're performing, this is awesome. It's a great auditorium they're playing in, but it is 100% 70s rock and roll. The stage looks like almost like Frankenstein's laboratory. And the band is singing, and they've got very Kiss-like makeup on. Now, this is 74. Kiss hasn't really made it big just yet. But some of this makeup is very, very similar. And while they're singing, they got props out in the crowd, and they're cutting people's hands off, heads off, legs off, and they're taking these body parts and putting it in this, I don't know, kind of like a container, and they're building a person, right, out of people in the crowd. This is so cool, so theatrical. Band is just rocking, song is killer, and they raise this canister up in the air, and lightning strikes it like Frankenstein, and when it comes back down, beef is that creation. And he comes out and he's singing the song, and it's awesome. And while he's singing, the Phantom is getting upset, and Beef is doing a guitar solo, and he sends down that lightning bolt on the stage, and it hits, <laughs> it hits Beef, and uh, electrocutes him live on stage, burns him to a crisp. Now, this is the other lawsuit, because that year, or the year before, I can't remember what band it was, but... There was a guitar player that got killed, got electrocuted on stage, something very similar. And they thought that they were, you know, ripping that off and doing that in bad taste. And so there was another lawsuit around that. Uh, speaking of Kiss earlier, the same thing happened to Ace Frehley in 76, a few years later. He chucked some railing and uh, got shocked at the opening of a show and it, it blew him off the stage. And, uh, hey, the next year he wrote a song called Shock Me. There you go. So there's your little kiss trivia if you're interested in any of that. <clears throat> but, anyways, Swan knows exactly what's going on. Swan knows that this is happening because this music is supposed to be for Phoenix to sing. And so he decides, <laughs> after they used the fire extinguisher to put Beef out on stage, they let... Uh, Phoenix come out and sing this beautiful song, Old Souls. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but Jessica Harper has an amazing quality voice. Very, very close to Karen Carpenter. Uh, to tell you how good it is, she beat Linda Ronstadt for the part in this movie. If that tells you anything. Now, I'm not saying she's as good as Linda Ronstadt. I'm just saying that there's a quality there. Now, Linda Rust has an amazing singer. Don't get me wrong. But probably because of the acting chops and the voice, Jessica got the role. So I think that says a lot. So coming out of that, the song is a huge success. Next thing you know, Phoenix is the biggest star on the planet. And it's all because Swan took her and made her a star. And he made a deal with her. You know, what would she give to him? For the, for, for the fortune and fame. And she said, 
anything you want. And so there you go. Now, next thing you know, after the show, they're heading back to Swan's hangout. <laughs> and you see them kind of having a love scene going on. And the Phantom is on top of the Swanage, is what they call it. Back to the Swanage. Um, and he's looking through a window at the top and sees them down there. And Winslow is so bottomed out, so disturbed by everything that he tries to kill himself. He stabs himself with a knife and he lays there and he's in the rain and it's thundering and lightning. And then Swan comes up on the roof after a while and sees him laying there and he goes, Winslow, get up. And he looks at the wound and the wound is sealed. He says, you can't die. You're under contract. You don't go until I say you go. So now he can't even die on his own. And then he picks up the knife and stabs Swan. And Swan just grabs the knife and looks at him and goes, I'm under contract too. So now you got an issue to where there's no way for Winslow to get out of the contract. He's made Phoenix sign a contract. But later on, Winslow goes back to the archives at, at the Swanage and finds where... Swan has videotapes of everything, right? From the beginning, everything, I mean, just a wall, walls and walls of videotape. And he finds the one where everything started. Swan was in a bathtub and was going to commit suicide because he was aging. And his reflection in the mirror, which is the devil, tells him, hey, you don't have to do that. Let's stay young forever. You sell me your soul, and you can stay this way forever. He said, but the only problem is, is you have to guard this tape, because when this tape goes, you go. So that's the Dorian Gray part of it, right? So, needless to say, while this is going on, Swan is planning for the big opus for the, for the paradise. And what he's going to do, he's going to have a marriage ceremony with him and Phoenix, and while they're on stage, he's going to have her executed live on TV. So again, th this thing, <laughs> I'm telling you, so far ahead of its time. This thing is doing reality TV 20, 30 years before reality TV. That's what's so impressive about this. I mean, you did have live feeds and stuff like that. But not to the extent of what this movie is going for. This thing is really tapping into everything that we consider reality TV shows, right? It's it's pretty amazing. Needless to say, I'm, I'm going to kind of leave it right there, right? I don't want to give away the rest of this movie. Uh, it's just fantastic, folks. I mean, I, I can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, it, it, it has become my favorite movie. I love every aspect about it. I've watched it at least 60 times, and I keep seeing new things every time I watch it. There's so much stuff in it, and the songs are great. The whole soundtrack track is great. The story is great. The ending is fantastic. Um, I just absolutely love this movie, and, and I got a feeling... The most of you out there, if you're if you're listening to this show or if you're watching the movies that I recommend, 
you're going to love this movie too because it hits all the right buttons and it is 70s to the max another aspect I really like about it man uh, it's so much fun it's so goofy it's got some got a little bit of gore in it and it's just everything rolled into one and again that's what I like movies that have no boundaries that can take you places and you're not going to see anything else like this movie anywhere else I promise you that and you're at the at the will of one of the best American directors of all time Brian De Palma I, I don't I don't know how else to sell it to you folks other than it should be a complete masterpiece United States never got it when it came out it's it's huge in Canada and it's just never gotten the respect that it deserves but I'm trying every chance I've got to make sure that happens. Do yourself a huge favor. Go ahead and buy it. I, I, I don't know anybody that's ever seen it that, that didn't want to have a copy of it afterwards. That's how sure I am of this movie. So take that for what it is. Go check it out. If you do check it out, give me some feedback on the Facebook page or just send me a message and tell me what you think about it or if you are a fan of it I know several of you ever has already popped up anytime I post something about it let me know your thoughts of this movie and you know what am I leaving out here what are, the, what are some highlights that stick out to you there's so many great uh, parts of this movie so uh, I'm just going to stop right there I hope you take the time and check this one out I couldn't wait for when they released the, the, the Blu-ray edition it took forever to get it and uh, man, it's just it's just fantastic. So there you go, folks. Highly recommended. Possibly the highest recommendation I can give for a movie of any kind. Hope you enjoy it. Go check it out. Till then, we will check you later.